Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to finish this. Am I on here with the microphone? Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to finish um, chapter 1. We've been studying this, going through it. And here's what's interesting. You know, we're singing some songs, and I was paying attention um, this morning to the songs. And really, it's amazing. We're, we're singing songs about what Christ has done in the past. And sometimes we sing songs about Christ, what he will do in the future. If I was to ask you today, what has Christ done in the past? You probably tell me, well, he came, he left, he left his glory. He came down born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He, he was beaten, crucified, and then he died on the cross and rose again. And then I say, well, what is Christ going to do in the future? And you'll probably say, well, yeah, I know what Christ's going to do in the future. He's going to come back one day and he's going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And then we're going to reign with him and it's going to be a wonderful thing. But the question is this. What is Christ doing right now? I mean, I'm happy in what he did in the past. I'm excited about what he's going to do in the future. But what is he doing now? Is he taking a nap? Uh, what is he doing? What, what exactly is he doing? Well, if you look in the Bible, I'm going to show you a couple of things before we actually get into the text. We know right now, right now, as I am speaking, right now, Jesus is praying for us. You say, where is that in the Bible? Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. That's a wonderful thought. He is sitting at the right hand of God right now, making intercessions, talking to God for us. He's able to save. Every time we mess up, every time, every second, every moment, he's bringing up his atoning death, his burial, his resurrection. He is praying for us right now. That's a, that's a wonderful thought. You say, what else is he doing right now? He is our advocate. You say, why do I need that? Anybody sin here? <laughs> Not one amen, huh? Amen. Sometimes we really blow it. Some small sins and some really big ones. And guess what? We have someone at the right hand. It says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, and that's all of us, if anyone sins, what happens? We have an advocate with the Father who? Jesus Christ. And what is he? The righteous. So every time we blow it and we say, wow, how can God ever love? Jesus is right there. Oh, no, I died for him. I, I, he's, he's covered by the blood. He's okay. She's okay. Don't. And when we blow and we think, wow, God will never. No, he's right there. He's our advocate. Right now. That's an amazing thought. So he's praying for us, always making intercession for us. He's able to save to the utmost. He's our advocate when we blow it. He's right there defending us because he's the only righteous one, Jesus Christ. You say, what else is he doing? I like this one. He is preparing a place for us. Now I want you to look at this verse because it may change your theology. In my father's house, there are many what? All right, some versions say mansions. So people sing that song, I got a mansion. I'm not going to sing it. But just over the, just over the hilltop. You know, you know the song, right? So some people think when we get to heaven, it's going to be a row of houses. And your house is over here, and my house is over here, and we all got our nice little houses, and all, and all there, and it's, we got all our houses. Let me tell you what this means. 
In my Father's house, there's many dwellings. There's one house. Many rooms in the house. We're all going to be together. Now, one amen. We're all going to be together. We're all going to be together. He's making rooms for us. In Argentina, when somebody would get married, you know what the parents would do? Oh, you're going to get married? We're so excited. We're going to make you another room attached to our house. You're staying with us. What do we do here in the States? You're getting married? Lord bless you. Get out of here, you know? He's making rooms. There's many rooms. Dwelling, if not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. I find it. It was funny. We were talking with the guys on Wednesday, and they're looking for a house. And, um, and they said, we found one. And I was all, we were all excited. We found one. We just need the people to move out. But we found one. <laughs> so if they come knocking on your door, they know, you know they want their, your house. That's not how it's going to be in heaven. We're not going to get there and someone's going to knock on our place and say, wait a minute, you're in my room. Get out of here. you got another room. No, this is our room. Praise the Lord. And he's preparing it right now for us. And as we look at this text, we're going to look and see how Christ right now is doing some things that encourage us here today. We don't just want to hear about what he's doing, but how does that affect my life today? What is he doing now and how does it affect my life? That's why I love verses 20 to 23 of Ephesians chapter 1 because he's going to talk about that. He's going to say, what is Christ doing right now and how does that affect us today? Look at this here. First thing we see is Christ is risen. Notice this verse, which he brought about in Christ, talking about the very power of God where Paul was praying that we would understand the power of God, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the what? The dead. Interesting, that word dead is in the plural. Which means that there's many people who have died. Some have risen from the dead, like Lazarus, but they went back and died. Only one has risen from the dead and is still alive forevermore, and his name is Jesus. He rose from the dead, and he is alive. Notice this, what I have here. The cross. Anybody ever want to think about the love of God? Just look to the cross. Does God love me? Oh, he loves me. He sent his only son to die for me. That whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. What an amazing thing that he loves me. You want to know about the power of God? You look at the resurrection. That shows the power of God. And Paul is praying that we would understand the very power of God, this resurrection power that is inside of us. And many people think, oh, wow, Jesus is alive. I can call on him any moment. You know, he's out there. I just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. You know where Jesus is alive today? Watch this. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? In me. Think about that for a moment. Some people say, oh yeah, I know Jesus. He, he's out there. I just call upon him here. He lives in me. Which means we're never alone. We're never by ourselves. We're never powerless to do what God wants us to do. Some people feel so depressed. I'm all alone. It's the holiday, Valentine's Day. Nobody's with, with me. I'm all alone. Christ, if you're a believer here, Christ is in you. Living in you. People say, I just don't have the power to do what God wants. He is living in you. 
He's not just someone on the outside that we call when we have trouble. Oh, Christ, I need you now. He's there. He's here. He's inside of us. Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So what is he doing right now? He's living inside of us. That's a, a wonderful thought. If it doesn't get any more exciting than that, watch this one. Christ is also seated. Uh, look what the verse says. Which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. What is Christ doing right now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. You say, what, what does that mean to me? Well, he's seated. Let's talk about this for a moment. The right hand is a privilege of, it's a place of privilege, honor, favor, victory, power. He has the authority. He is at the right hand. It's a privilege, the honor, the favor, the victory. You say, where is he? Look at this. I love the verse. Far above. Far above who? He's going to mention five different things. He's far above, sitting at the right hand. Far above all rule, those are the people that have, uh, or the angels, we're going to talk about that because these are the demons, the ones first place, the power here, the authority, the ones who have freedom to act, that's the word there, the power, the ones that are in positions of, of literally that means the host of heaven, and then the dominions are talking about the ones that are called lords, and then not only that, look at this, and every name that is named, because they had superstitious gods as well. By the way, how many of you like Valentine's Day? Any of you guys like, uh, you know where that started? <laughs> Valentine's Day? Interesting thing. I had to study this out a little bit. By a priest who got arrested and sent, his, his name was St. Valentine, obviously, and he got arrested and sent a letter to one of the jailer's daughters saying, from your Valentine. Now we all celebrate Valentine's Day. Isn't that wonderful? Now one amen here. And some people have superstitious things about St. Valentine and all these things. I mean, even one of the popes built a basilica right above his grave, thinking that this guy was an amazing thing. Every name that is named, people come up with different names. When, not only in this age, but also in the age of God. Every name that is named, they have different gods, different people. You know what? Christ is far above them. You say, what is he talking about here? He's seated far above them. What does that mean for me? Here's what it means. These powers are most likely angelic and evil and wish to rob us of our spiritual benefits. I don't know if you understand this, but we are in a battle when? Today. And our battle is not flesh and blood. Our battle are these angelic demons that are coming after us and trying to rob us of our spiritual benefits. And if you've never experienced it, let me just tell you, it is a battle. It is real. I felt it on, on Tuesday as we were, this week I was preaching in, in Peru through Zoom and this, and Tuesday, just the battle that was going on, I felt like somebody died. It was amazing. It's just like, what is going on? And the, the battle is real, and the battle, they want to rob us of our spiritual benefits. And Christ is seated where? Above all them. He's the one that has the victory. So somebody says, well, the battle is real and it's raging in my heart and I'm battling this, this battle, this unseen battle, and it's really real. What do I do? Remember where Christ is seated. 
He is far above all these. And He is the one that has the victory and the power over them. And we need to understand and see that power and understand that we don't have to give in to this, to, to these, to this fight, that we can trust in Christ. The battle is real. The battle is real with the church. Not only individually, but the church. Isn't it amazing when we try to do certain things and share the gospel as the church, the things that Satan does to us? It is incredible. I think a trunk of... I'm scared to do things. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt coming up. A community hour. I'm scared. I'm like, what's coming? I, uh, I, well, as soon as we start doing that, something's coming. Something's going to happen. I don't know what it is. Something's going to happen. I don't know. I, I'll be in California. But something's going to happen. Because the spiritual battle is what? Real. He hates this church. He hates believers. He hates churches. He hates everything that has to do with God. But Christ is far above, seated at the right hand. So that helps me understand that victory is there. You say it's one thing that he's seated, but, but, but these things are still moving on. Look at the next thing it says here. Christ is supreme. He has put all things under what? His feet. It's one thing for them to be uh, seated, but is it, are they subjected to him? And it says here, under his feet. I like that. You know why? Because back then when they would get into a fight, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, and the enemies would fight each other, they'd put the enemy on the ground and they'd put their foot on the neck. And the foot on the neck, you know what that meant? I won. I won. I remember one time I saw two dogs come at each other. And all of a sudden the dog put his, his mouth right over the neck of the other dog. The other dog just stood there. I'm dead. I ain't messing with this dog. Back in the Old Testament when Joshua had had the generals go out, if you ever read the story, they fought the kings and they got the king. They put him on the ground and put their foots over their necks. We won. You know what Jesus is saying? My foot's on their necks. I've won. Somebody says, Jeremy, you're living in a fairy tale world because if you look around the world, it doesn't look like he won. I mean, there's people dying, there's diseases going on, there's corruption in every area. It sure doesn't look like he's winning. It sure doesn't look at all the things that we're going through right now. You say, wow, it doesn't look like he's winning. But you know what? We do see glimpses of it. And one day it is going to be total. You say, what glimpses do we see? Every time someone gets saved, Jesus wins. And let me tell you, as dark as it gets and as evil as it gets, God is still saving people. We were, we were listening to a, a testimony of a guy that was in drugs, how, 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 he, how he was in a gang, how he would stay up from 5 o'clock in the afternoon, all night beat people up, go into their houses, assault them. And he said he heard the gospel and Jesus saved him and his whole life is different. God is getting a victory. He's got his foot on their necks. And one day the victory will be total. But you want to know something? If he didn't have his foot on their necks right now, things would be a lot worse than they are. Some people say, I can't believe what's going on. Look at the corruption. Look at this. Look at that. I, I can't believe it's so good. It should be a lot worse. But yet he's got his foot on their necks. And I praise God for that. And we may not see it. It may not be obvious to us all the things that God is doing. But he's holding some things down. And he's doing it in his way. But just let me let you know. He says everything is under his feet. Look at this here. And Christ is also, I love this, what is he right now? 
Christ is also the head of the church. You say, what does that mean? And he gave him as head over all things to the what? To the church. Now, when somebody head, that means to sustain, to guide, to inspire, to enable, to strengthen. He's the head. Some people think the pastor is the head. Who's, who's in charge here in this building? Oh, it's Jesus. Can you see him? Some people think the pastor's in charge. Now, the pastor's not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And he's the one that sustains, guides, inspires, enables, and strengthens. But here's the problem. When we hear that word church, we don't really understand what it means. When somebody says the word church, you think it's a, a place, a building. I'm going to what? Church today. I'm going to a building. The church is not a building. This is not a church building. It, it, it's not a building. So what is it, the, the word church? People think it's a performance. They come to church, they watch the pastor preach, they smile, they go amen, and then they go home. It's just a performance. I was just great, right? I, I just come in. And, I went to church today. How was it? Oh, I was great. Music was great. Parenting was great. Everything was great. Everything was... But do we understand what church is? Church is the people. You are the church. We are the church. I love that. In Romans 16, 5, he says, Greet the church that's in your house. Not the building. <laughs> in your house. When the Bible talks about the church and it talks about people, it talks about people who gather together. It says when the church gathers together. Some people say, I could just have church in my and just sit home and just sleep and you know, drink. And I'm, I'm the church. No, we have to cut. Gather together. Wow. Oh, not one amen. Even when it's cold, gather together. There are people who gather together. That's the church. But not only that, we don't just gather together. We gather together to work. It's to act, to do God's work. So what is a church in the Bible? When you look at the word church, it's a people who gather together to do God's will. That's a church. So here's what it says. Christ is the head. And then he gives us an analogy. The church is the body. Now, I like that. Here's why. Because as the body of Christ... He's not just head over us and over us and just, he's the authority over us. He is connected to us. I like that. And as the body of Christ, don't miss this, not only is he connected to us, we are connected to each other. Some are a finger, some are an ear, some are a tooth. Nobody likes to be a tooth. Let me just tell you something. Teeth are important. I just got a root canal this week. Teeth are important. You don't take care of these things. They start to rot a little bit. That dentist goes in there with his drill. Those things hurt. There's pain there. Teeth are necessary. Try eating a nice pizza without teeth. Some of you can. My Uncle Tom used to do that. He used to drive me nuts. It took him an hour and a half to eat the pizza. He'd just sit there. Mm, 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 mm. I'm like, wow. And the noises he would make too. I'd ready to drop dead. Teeth are important. Teeth are, teeth are connected to the body. 
for some here, some don't have it. But teeth are connected to the body. Most of you have teeth. So people say this. Here's the argument with church. I hear it all the time. Ah, the church is fine without me. I can just, they can, they can look at them. They're doing great. They don't need me. Ah, just let them alone. I just let them go. Or they'll say this. I'm fine without the church. I got Jesus. He's in my heart. You know, I love Jesus. The people I don't like, but I love Jesus. I'm fine without the church. You know what Paul says? Wrong, wrong. He's the head. We are connected to him and we are connected to one another. We are all necessary. We can't say, I'm fine without you. And we can't say that they're fine without us. Now, be careful with that one because you don't want to come in and say, I'm here now. I'm sure the church is, you know, I'm the gift of God to the church. Now the church can survive. I'm here. I'm the tooth. But let me tell you something, why we need each other. And here's what makes church amazing. Church is the people who gather together to act to do God's will. We are connected to the one who sustains us and gives us the life. Watch this. This verse is probably one of the most beautiful verses about the church in the whole Bible. Look what it says here about the church. It says, it's the fullness of him who fills all in all. As we are working together as a church and we are fulfilling God's will, we are manifesting to the world who Jesus Christ is. And here's what's amazing. He fills all in all. He gives us the power and his presence so we can fulfill his mission to the world. He uses the church. He could do it much better without us. But he uses the church. Because he loves the church. He gave his life for the church. It's his bride. And so here's what, here's what Jesus is doing right now. You say, what is he doing right now? He's alive. Not just alive out there. He's alive inside of us. He's alive. What is he doing right now? He is seated far above all those that cause us pain and want to fight against us. All those demonic demons out there that want to have the spiritual warfare against us. He is far above them. He's got his foot on their necks. He's seated. And here's what's exciting. Our hope is not in a political leader. Our hope is in a seated king who's got his foot on their necks. And here's what's amazing. He's the head. The one that is connected to sinners. Like he is connected to the body. And as we gather together and do his mission, he fills us with his presence and he fills us with his power to do what he wants us to do here on earth. Oh, do we need the church? You better believe we need the church. <laughs> Does the church need us? You better believe the church needs us. But it's amazing how Christ is filling the church with his power and presence right now. Look at this. I got a question for us here to reflect on. Are you cooperating with Christ to fulfill his mission on the earth? And the only way that we can do that is to be connected to his church. I tell people, this church is optional, but church is not optional. This church 
There's plenty of great churches. You could find churches around. There's 600 and something churches here in Colorado Springs. You could find. Why don't you visit everyone? Let me know how they are. All right. <laughs> 600 something. There's good churches out there. We're not the only. I'm not like, oh, you're only the best one. The only one here. Church, this church is up, but church is not optional. We need the body of Christ. And as we work together, we see the power and presence of Christ do things that are amazing. Because why? He's alive. Where? In us, seated with his foot on the neck of all his enemies. And he's our head that sustains us, guides us, and helps us to live for him. What is Christ doing right now? If anyone asks you, now you know. He's praying for us. He's our advocate. He's preparing a place. And he's alive right now inside of us. And he is seated. And one day, he is coming back. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we thank you so much for this wonderful passage of Scripture that lets us know exactly what your Son is doing right now. It's amazing that as I'm praying, He's praying. And when we mess up, He's right there, our Advocate, what a wonderful God we have. And how He's seated, Lord, and we, we, we're thankful for that. We know that one day He's coming back. But right now He's got His foot on their necks. And although the world may seem like it's falling apart, it could be a lot worse if it wasn't for Your Son. So help us to keep giving the praise and honor and glory to Him as we look at the wonderful things that He's doing saving souls who are trapped in the power of Satan, who are trapped in their sin, and yet Jesus Christ is still saving people. We're so thankful for that. And Lord, help us to realize how important your church is. Christ is the head, sustains us, guides us, leads us, and we're connected to him. We're the body. Every member is important. So help us to realize that we can't do it without the church. Help us to realize that the church needs each member to do their part. And help us to realize the wonderful truth as we come together to act to do your will. The presence of Christ and the power of Christ is upon us. And we thank you so much for that. We pray in his name and for his glory. Amen. Okay, we're going to have communion time now.